This morning, John chapter 1 here. Last week we saw, again, speaking of Jesus, uh, the Word, the Logos, who was, was with God and was God. We saw last week in verse 14, He became flesh, and He dwelt among us to make that way to save us. And we talked about how He physically came, He physically died, He physically rose from the grave to atone for our sins. We saw John last week, John the Baptist, saying he who comes after me is preferred before me. And we'll see that theme continuing this morning in this passage and talk about that. You know, it's really a call to put the Lord first in our life, where John later on said, he must increase, but I must decrease. And a lot of people think in that they'll lose life. But Jesus said, absolutely, when you lay your life down for his sake, you gain life. Real living is found in walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. We also saw last week that the law was given through Moses. And we'll touch on Moses again this morning. He's mentioned again in this next passage. The law declares us guilty. But truth and grace comes through Jesus Christ. And through faith in him, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we find forgiveness and we find salvation. So this morning again, we continue here in verse 19 through 34. And we're going to see John sharing his testimony of Christ. Really in a way how he came to know that Jesus was the Christ as well as his de- declaration that Jesus is the Christ. And we're going to talk about that and even talk about how the Lord has given us all a testimony. And the Lord wants us to be sharing that with others, how we came to Christ, as well as how we know he is the Christ and the Messiah and the Savior of the world. We're also going to see as, the, as John shares this with these that are inquiring of him, he also answers them why he baptizes only with water. But he talks about the one coming after him, the Christ who he's testifying of, who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that this morning. And then absolutely him giving the declaration of Christ, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And I think all these things, as we go through it, they fit together so well. And uh, just praying we get greatly blessed with this. So this morning I want to read through the text. So we're going to take 15 verses here, really encourage you to, you know, I know it's easy, you know, by the fifth, sixth verse to kind of, okay, where I'm at and get lost. So let's just follow along here, set the table, and then we'll, we'll get up here and go through this this morning. So verse 19. <clears throat> now this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him again, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Then they said to him, who are you, that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Verse 24. Now those who were sent were from the Pharisees. And they asked him, saying, why then do you baptize if you're not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water. But there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. These things were done in Beth Abara, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. Verse 29. The next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. Verse 32. 
And John bore witness saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the son of God. So notice verse 19, the testimony of John verse 34 John says I have seen and I have testified and so John in all of this again is sharing his testimony really how he came to know that Jesus is the Christ and the fact that Jesus is the Christ and John's testimony we know it goes beyond this and we read bits and pieces of it throughout you know the gospels we read in Luke how uh, he even was conceived how his parents were of an elderly age and God came and he blessed them with this child when they were way past the age to be able to bear children. And you see so many examples of that in the Bible, how God's using these old folks to bring forth these young folks to bring all folks to himself. Isn't he good like that? And it shows that, that he's never done using us. It's never too early, praise God, and it's never too late. That's good news. And it started then and from the time he was conceived, he was set aside to do the work of the Lord. He had the call of a Nazarite on him. John the Baptist is one of those guys that we know for sure had really long, wild hair because Nazarites did not cut their hair. He did not touch dead bodies. He did not drink wine and so forth. He had that vow of a Nazarite set apart for the work of the Lord. And he walked in that. And absolutely, as we read here, and we'll get into this, he was sent from the Lord to go out and to baptize in the wilderness, knowing that Christ was coming. So he had faith in the coming Christ but he still didn't know who the Christ was. And think about it. He had already had contact with the Christ because when he was six months old in his mother's womb, Mary uh, showed up with Jesus, his cousin, in her belly. And remember it says that John in Elizabeth's belly, his mother, when Mary came with Jesus in her belly, it says that she and he were filled with the Holy Spirit and he leaped in his womb at six months old in his mother's womb you know not six months out of the womb but six months in the womb so actually six months out of the womb you're a year old i guess he leaped and he worshiped god and in all of this he went again he went out of faith knowing there's a messiah a messiah coming not knowing who he was remember in the old testament they were saved in faith in him coming and now john testifies he went out he went out in obedience and he was out in obedience god gave him a prophetic word him whom you've seen the Spirit coming upon and remaining on, that is the Messiah. And he's testifying of this. And, and, and he's declaring this. He's declaring Jesus is the Messiah, and this is how I know he's the Messiah. This is how this has impacted me. And I look at John, I look at his testimony, and I kind of liken it to the individual who, by God's grace, is born into a, in a solid, Bible-believing Christian home, raised in the Lord, you know, having a love for God, never straying from the Lord. Yes, sinner, absolutely, saved by grace through faith as we all are, but having that testimony of walking with God really all their days. And there's people like that. There's people that I know that, you know, when you come to the Lord and they say, I don't know, I've just always believed because they grew up in the faith. And I know sometimes when people have that as a testimony, they think it's lesser than the individual that has this wild testimony of coming all of these things. And it's not lesser at all because what a wonderful picture of God's grace and God's mercy. 
And listen, that's, that's the testimony I want for, for my kids. That's the testimony I want for your kids. And that is not a testimony you need to hang your head down on. Listen, that's even a greater picture of the grace and mercy of God to allow you to walk with Him all of your days. And listen, I would pray from this day forward, that would be our testimony, that we walk with Jesus. Amen? It's so awesome, though, in the Bible, you can see even the opposite end of these testimonies. You think of someone like Saul before he became the Apostle Paul. And here's a man, he had a zealous for God, but he was ignorant in that zealousness. I remember he greatly persecuted the church to the point of imprisoning some, to the point of, of being part of the murder of some. He was martyring Christian believers. And as he was going to the road to Damascus, remember the Lord met him on that road. He was going to get more power to persecute more Christians. And the Lord met him on that road, blinded him, knocked him down. And at that point, he cried out, no, who's doing this? And, and Jesus said, it's me. And, and persecuting my people, you're persecuting me. And we see him even on that road making a profession of faith. And then going and getting prayed for, having his eyes prayed for, and getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And here's this man that was a great persecutor of the church, a, a murderer of, of Christians, who himself said, I was the chief, or I am the chief of sinners, and yet the Lord meeting him where he was at, and filling him with the Holy Spirit, and washing him of his sins. And so many times, Paul shared that testimony in his ministry, and it impacted people. And again, what another glorious picture of grace and mercy and as john had a testimony and paul had a testimony guess what is jesus your lord today can you say amen to that amen. you have a testimony you have a testimony how god met you where you were at how you came to know jesus personally and how you came to know that jesus was the christ and god wants us to share that with others and again it all centers around jesus it's our testimony again how we came to know him and how we know he is the Christ. And that always centers around the gospel. Hey, I was a sinner. The Holy Spirit convicted me. God drove me to himself. I believe Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave. Defeated sin, death, and Satan. And I'm saved by grace through faith in him. And he wants to meet you where you were at as well. And these testimonies are powerful. I think of my own life. Listen, I was raised in the church. I was about 12, 13 years old. Very versed in the scripture. But very messed up in my mind. And drifted so far from the Lord, deep into so many things, so much confusion in my life. And I think it was about 18, 19 years old. And someone handed me one of the first Christian rap tapes ever made. Michael Peace, Rocket Right. That was the name of it. And it was the cheesiest thing I'd ever heard in my life. The music style and all this and that. But it impacted me. Because I didn't know a single Christian my age. I didn't know there were Christians my age. And here's this guy my age, maybe a year or two older... And, and the music was cheesy, but the guy was bold for the Lord. And it impacted me. And I've shared this before. Over the next two, three years, I, got a, I, would, I would somehow come across these Christian rap tapes. And I had about four or five of them. And I had like a $3,000 stereo system in my mini truck. I was the guy that annoyed you at the stoplight. <laughs> and I would go, and in secret, I would listen to those tapes. I didn't want anyone to know I had those. But I would like sometimes late at night, two, three in the morning, I would just drive as far out in the country as I could go and I'd put in that tape. I remember times even crying and like, because I wanted out of where I was, I didn't know I could get out. And the fact, it was just, it wasn't even so much the music, it was the fact these guys were my age and they were both for the Lord. The Lord used that tremendously to bring me finally to that place of saying, God, I don't know how I'm going to get out of any of this, but I surrender to you. And 
your testimony, God wants to use it to impact others. So share it, amen? And share it for his glory. And John's giving his testimony. Now notice here, he's, he's, this is his testimony. It says, the Jews sent Levites from Jerusalem to ask him. Also, there were Sadducees involved in this and Pharisees, all these different individuals. No, they had to send them. And why did they have to send them? Because John wasn't in the center of activity in Jerusalem. God had put him out into the wilderness. Again, in verse 28, we see he was in Beth, Bethabara, which is east of, of Jericho. If, if you're familiar with Israel or if you've been there, if you can see the map. I should have put a map up. Sorry for not putting up a map. I got to start putting up maps. It's, it's east of Jericho, north of the Dead Sea, on the other side of the Jordan. Really where modern day Jordan is. He's out in the middle of nowhere. And this is so awesome because God always or so oftentimes does things in a non-traditional way. And listen, we read in Matthew 3, 4, it says, Now John himself was clothed in camel hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. So we know that, again, he's a Nazarite, so he probably has crazy hair. He probably doesn't, I, I always like to visualize him not brushing it for some reason. Wild hair, camel's hair upon him, a leather belt, locusts and wild honey. There, there's actually a locust tree in Israel, so we don't know if he was eating grasshoppers or this is a reference to the locust tree and wild honey. But this is very non-traditional. I mean, this, this is... This, this goes out of the playbook of how men do things. God puts them out in the middle of nowhere. And it says in verse 5, Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. And this got these religious guys in Jerusalem's attention because this went out of the norm. This, is what, this went out of their playbook of how things were supposed to be done. Though he was doing things in a godly way. And this is how Pharisees always operate. This is how legalistic people always operate. They want things done their way. And when things are not not done their way, you're in sin. You're problematic. Even if it's not their place to say how things are supposed to be done. Listen, there's a way how God wants us to do things, absolutely. But underneath that, there's freedom to go about things, you know, in a, in a, in a different way manner where we have a freedom again under his word and the pharisees here said this isn't how things are supposed to be done and it angered them especially when they saw these massive crowds so they sent out you know these individuals to say who is this guy what's going on why are all these people out here why aren't they here getting our instruction and doing what we wanted we can no longer we're not controlling them like we were before this is a problem so they sent out, again, these different people. Who is this guy? They were also sending these people out there really to spy on them. These guys, for the most part, didn't have a real intention of repenting. They weren't going out to say, boy, there must be a real move of God over there. Let's go out and see because we want God moving in our life. They didn't go out with that heart. And we know that from Matthew 3, verse 7 through 10. Because we read here, uh, but when John saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, uh, brood of vipers. Can you imagine that? Someone shows up on Sunday morning, five, six, hours, hey, brood of vipers. That's the first thing. Not very seeker friendly here. Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? I'm talking about wrath that's going to come because of sin. He says, therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. 
And do not think to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father, for I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So basically he's saying, you guys think that you're saved just because of who your father is, but there's a wrath coming upon you. Why? Because they put faith in their works to save themselves. They were not humble. They were prideful men. And so absolutely we know from that, they weren't coming out with an intention to hear from the Lord. They were coming to spy things out because they wanted to make disciples after themselves. We read in the New Testament several warnings of individuals that still operate this way today. In the book of Galatians, which is all about salvation by grace through faith, not of works, not through the law. In Galatians 2, uh, verse 3 and 4, it says, uh, Yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised, because they were saying you were saved through faith in Jesus and through circumcision. He says, And this occurred of false brethren, because of false brethren who secretly brought in, notice it says, who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. So here early in the church, like these Pharisees, in fact, many of them were these Pharisees, maybe sons or maybe some of them, they came into the church to spy things out, to peep people under their law that they had set up to make disciples after themselves. Again, not coming out to hear God's word, God's truth, but coming out with their agenda. And you see warnings about this throughout the scriptures. I think we need to, with that, first and foremost, we got to look back, look at ourselves personally and saying, listen, why, why, why am I, you know, walking with God? Why am I coming out to fellowship? Is it for his glory or do I have my own personal agenda that contradicts God's word? And if we can all do that individually and have honesty before the Lord, I think that it will do us all so much good to be able to, you know what, really examine our hearts in sight of the scriptures because listen, our agendas never profit us. It's when we yield to him that we're profited and he's glorified. And so the other side of this is we gotta be aware of these things and we gotta be watchful of those things. And when those things arise like John did, we have to address those things. Now, I don't think the best way for us is to start by saying brood of vipers, and be like, hey, can we have a talk here? That, that's probably, I don't know, if the Lord leads us to say that, then I guess we better say that, right? But you know what? Being mindful, you know, is what we're doing here biblical? Is it, is it, does it revolve around the cross of Calvary? Are, are, are we setting up our own rules that are outside of Scripture that we're judging others by? Or are we looking at the totality of Scripture, understanding we are dust, we need the work of the Spirit of God in our life, and absolutely, we want to come under the guidance of the Holy Spirit and the word of God, not the word of man. Can we say amen to that? Amen. Now, as they're asking who he is, it says in verse 20, he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I'm not the Christ. So they were going out to say, who is this guy? Perhaps he's the Messiah. Even though the Messiah would come, they'd be pointed in a minute here who the Messiah was, and they didn't want anything to do with him. But he makes it clear, I'm not the Christ. And it shows John's humility it also shows his soundness of mind because oftentimes when men get these types of massive followings or people coming out from everywhere to hear what they have to say, it can go to their head very quickly. And maybe not move to the point where they are 
the Christ or thinking they are the Christ, but thinking that they're above others. And we got to be careful in that. Listen, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights above. And when God adds to the church, He's the one that is adding to it. It's to His glory, to His honor, and to His praise when it's a real work of God. Verse 21, then they ask Him, what then? These guys had a lot of questions. Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Then they said to Him again, second time, who are you? Then we may give an answer to those who sent us. Another question, what do you say about yourself? He said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Some 700 or so years earlier, the prophet Isaiah this is how, said, this is how it will be. Before the Lord comes, there's going to be one that's going to make straight the way of the Lord. Someone coming out announcing the Messiah is coming. So again, John was not Elijah. He was not the prophet. We should ask, why would they ask that specifically? Are you Elijah? We know Elijah's time was hundreds of years earlier. So why would they ask that? A few reasons. Number one, Elijah didn't die. Elijah was raptured. Remember in Elijah's ministry, the Lord told him he would be taken up. He had an apprentice named Elisha. Elijah, Elisha. That probably was confusing confusing at times for people. But Elijah was told he was going to be taken up. Elisha wanted to continue in his ministry and Elijah said hey if you're there when I'm taken up you'll get a double portion of the anointing God's put upon me so he stuck to him by glue that day came when it was time to Elijah for Elijah to be taken up it says he was taken up in a in a whirlwind before the Lord he was a rapture he was raptured some people say there's no rapture in the Bible Elijah was raptured Enoch was raptured the Bible talks about Jesus even after his resurrection being caught up into heaven and there's going to be another rapture you can read about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 of the church. It's going to come again at a time we don't know. We're always to be looking for that. So Elijah was raptured up. And so they know he hadn't died. Also in Malachi, it talks about Elijah coming before the day of the Lord. It says in Malachi 4, 5, Behold, I send to you Elijah the prophet before the coming, before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And so They knew Elijah was going to come before the day of the Lord. They knew that when the Messiah came, Elijah would come. Now, what they didn't fully understand is that there's two comings of the Lord. There was the first coming, and then there'll be the second coming. Malachi speaking of the second coming. Because when we're reading in in Revelation chapter 11, it talks about two literal witnesses here on earth that call fire down from heaven. And most believe one of those witnesses is definitely Elijah. Elijah. And remember there in Revelation 11 will be the time of the tribulation. For over three years, they're going to call down fire. They're going to point people towards Jesus. It says, finally, it's going to seem like the Antichrist will defeat them. Their bodies will lay dead in the street for three and a half days. It says all the world will see this, and they'll exchange gifts and celebrate that they're dead. That's, you know, how much of an impact they're going to make. And think about it. That can only happen in the day we're living in now. There's 7.5 billion people in the world. Over 5 billion of them have cell phones today. And most of those are smartphones. Should have bought stock and cell phones, you know, like 10 years ago or 20 years ago, whatever. This, um, this is an event, that's a prophecy that can be literally fulfilled today. So it says then they'll be caught up again, though, resurrected and caught up again. So that's why they're asking, are you Elijah? Now, again, I don't have time to read it, but in John 17, 10 through 13 
Jesus talks about John coming in the spirit of Elijah and in the power of Elijah. So he came like Elijah in the power of Elijah and the spirit of Elijah like a prophet. Both of them had the Holy Spirit upon them. So that prophecy was partially fulfilled in the Lord's first coming, but it will be completely fulfilled in his second coming. And that's why they're asking, are you Elijah? Because it seems like a random question, right? Unless you know the scriptures and what the prophets had said about the coming of the Lord. Now they also say, are you the prophet? Notice they don't put a name here. And so we should ask, well, there's all kinds of prophets in the Bible. What prophets specifically? Well, Moses, during his ministry, in Deuteronomy 18, 15, he said this, The Lord your God will raise up a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren, him you shall hear. And this was Moses prophesying about the Messiah to come. He said, I'm a prophet, and God's going to raise up another prophet and him you're going to listen to. Again, Jesus is the son of God. He's 100% God. He's 100% man. But he's also a prophet. He's not just a prophet. A lot of people say, oh, Jesus, he was just a wise man and a prophet. Yes, he overflowed with wisdom and was a prophet. But he's also the son of God. God, the word who took on flesh. We're reading about that in John. But again, Moses said, someone like me is going to come. And so how is Jesus like Moses? Moses delivered the children out of Egypt. And again, when we put faith in Christ, he delivers us out of our sin into salvation. So they were waiting for this prophet to come. And so they're asking, are you the prophet Moses talked about? And he says, I'm not Elijah. I'm not Moses. Now they're asking this again, not for themselves, which is sad. They say, tell us because we need to answer those who sent us. And what you see here is men serving other men first versus serving God first and we need to serve the Lord first in every area of our life we need to give answers to these men they had a bigger issue the day was going to come when they were going to have to answer to God Almighty and so will all of us and there's going to be no men between us and him hopefully your faith is in Jesus and you will have the mediator between you and the Father the Lord Jesus Christ but all of us are going to give an answer. Hebrews 9.27, it's appointed for men to die once and after death the judgment. And do you realize that that judgment, you know what the standard is? It's not did he do more good things than bad things. Was he a nice fellow? As long as he didn't kill anybody, you know, he's coming into heaven. No, the standard is utter perfection. We have a perfect God who is holy. Does anyone think they meet the standard of utter perfection? If you do, you are utterly deceived his standard is utter perfection and again this is why jesus came because he is utterly perfect and he fully fulfilled the law and he went to the cross of calvary he fully took the wrath through you and me upon himself and he fully defeated death when he rose from the grave and now he sits at the right hand of the father fully ready to wash you and cleanse you when you put your faith in him you go from under that law that damns you to under grace that utterly saves you to the uttermost is that not good news Amen. and we're going to give an account listen if your faith isn't in him today today's a day of salvation and the scriptures declare whoever would call on the name of the lord would be saved so john makes it very clear i'm not the christ i'm not elijah i'm not moses and then he says in verse 23, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And he literally was out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Again, Isaiah had prophesied of this. 
You see in scripture, God always does, tells us what he's going to do before he does it. So when the Messiah came, again, Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophecies. There were also prophecies about how things would be when he came. And one of them was, again, there would be one who would come out in the wilderness crying, get baptized, acknowledge your sin, so that your heart is ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he came according to prophecy, the prophecies of Isaiah, with a prophetic message and here's the thing again we've talked about us being called to be witnesses this morning we see we have a testimony there's another key part of this we want to also be asking god to help us to go out and being a witness and sharing our testimony and giving it in a prophetic way so that doesn't just fall to the ground you know we read about prophets in the bible and i get leery of anyone nowadays who say hey i'm a prophet come listen to me But I do know this, the Bible does say that we should pray that we could prophesy. I pray when I step into the pulpit on Sundays, Wednesdays, and and every day, I want to prophesy. I'm not a prophet. I would never claim to be a prophet, but I want to prophesy. Because biblical prophecy is declaring God's truth with power. And the world around us needs to be impacted by the word of God and impacted by our testimonies. And our prayer should be when we talk about Jesus, it penetrates people's hearts. Even if it's like, I think a few weeks ago, I talked about, you know, with certain individuals, they just talk and talk and talk and you can't even necessarily have a real conversation with them. But I always just pray, Lord, let me get one shout out to you in there. Like, you know, praise Jesus for the good weather, you know, and maybe they'll hear that and it will be prophetic and it will impact them. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 3, this is for us. It says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. When was the last time you prayed that you could prophesy? You should be praying that every day according to the scripture. Pursuing love, desiring spiritual gifts, and especially that you could prophesy. Verse 2, it says, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. And a lot of time in charismatic churches, all the emphasis is on speaking in tongues. And, and that's, that's a fine gift in your prayer closet in public. If one speaks in tongues, there should be an interpreter, interpreter, two or three at the most, and then, you know, move on to something else. He says, you speak to God, uh, or, 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 or don't, you don't speak to men but to God. But in verse 3, it says, he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men and listen we're living in a time when people need to be edified they need to be exhorted and in this fallen world full of peril people need to be comforted and they need to be comforted exhorted and encouraged in the truth of god not with you know what our daily thoughts they need the word of the lord so all of us need to be praying that we could prophesy listen write it down put it on your hand i need to pray that i can prophesy this is a command and a call from god and it's for good things it doesn't mean you're going to have to, you know, grow a beard down to your feet and get a, a sandwich board sign. This is repent, doomsday is coming, and get a megaphone and be an annoyance. That's, that's not what he's saying here. But again, we've talked about it many times so that when you speak to your kids about the Lord, you want that to impact their hearts, don't you? When you talk to others, you want to impact them. Verse 24, it says, now those who were sent were from the Pharisees. We've talked enough about these guys. And they asked him, saying, Why then do you baptize if you're not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered, saying, I baptize with water, but, there's one, but there stands one among you who you don't know. It is he 
who coming after me is preferred before me whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose so they ask a legitimate question here this is a fair question you're not the Christ you're not the Messiah you're not Elijah you're not the prophet you're just some guy out here and all these people are out here why are you baptizing what's 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 the purpose of all of this again he told them i'm coming according to isaiah out in the wilderness crying to make straight the way of the lord and he says i baptize with water and again this was part of making straight the way of the lord because when they were baptized with water it was in a confession of their sin i'm a sinner my life's messed up i need the savior I'm making a rededication to looking for that coming Messiah, that coming Savior. And John was saying he is coming very soon. So it was really them getting their hearts ready, preparing the hearts of the people for Jesus to come. And he says, that's what I'm doing out here. I'm about the business of preparing people to come to the Lord. And hear this this morning, we should be about the exact same business. One of the ways we can do this and you can do it at any time is praying for people God oftentimes will tenderize people's hearts before bringing them to receiving the Lord Jesus Christ listen we talked about Paul right this murderer this persecutor of the church on that road to Damascus he came to faith in the Lord but Paul had been prayed for because there was a servant named Stephen remember in Acts 7 who was stoned for his testimony his faith in the Lord And when they stoned him, remember, they took all their garments and they laid it at the feet of one named Saul, who would later be the Apostle Paul. And while they were killing him for his faith in Jesus, Stephen looked up into heaven and he saw it open. And he said, Father, forgive them for what they've done. And he declares, I see Jesus at the right hand of God. Listen, that impacted Paul because Paul talks about it later on. And Stephen's prayer there as they're killing him impacted Paul and it tenderized his heart. There's people in your life that don't know Jesus Christ. Are you praying for them? Are you lifting them up to God? Are you praying for our community, our nation? Look, you don't have to look far to see again that we live in times of depravity. But we are here in part to be vessels that can pray for their hearts to say, God, tenderize their heart, make their hearts soft open their eyes take the hardness off their heart as they've been resisting you all their days so they can come to a place of having faith in the lord jesus christ are you praying for your wayward children in that manner maybe for your unsaved parent your neighbor your co-workers listen you're not just at that job to make money you're there to be a light for the lord and to pray for these people and john's doing that he's making way making straight preparing the way of the lord and we have the same call upon our life And then John says something that's pretty powerful. He says, I baptize with water. And then he immediately points him to Jesus. But there stands one among you who you don't know. It is he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. And so John's saying, listen. And at this point, John knew who the Christ was. He says, the Christ, the Messiah is right here in your midst. And you don't even know him. These guys should have known him. These should have been the first guys that knew him. Again, these were the keepers of the scriptures. These were supposed to be the genuine religious men or you could say pastors of the day. He was right there, but they didn't know him. And that's the case for still so many today. Listen, 
the Lord, again, is knocking on the door at every heart, and yet there are so many that don't know Him. And how many people who do know Him, who've asked Him into their life, don't really know Him very well? Are you getting to know your Lord better? I think of Paul when... Philippians 3.10, he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. You look at Paul's ministry again, that persecutor who got saved, and then he came to this place with a hunger for God. He said, listen, I count everything around me rubbish that I just may know the Lord. Are you getting to know the Lord more? Are you getting more intimate with them? Are you getting more familiar with them? I don't want to die and stand before the Lord and be introduced to a stranger. I say, yeah, Lord, I called on you, but I, I oh, man, good, good to meet you. My hope would be when I stand before God, I know, first of all, I'll be face first on the ground. I, I, I read it throughout Scripture. And I know in God's goodness, He always picks us up when we're on the ground, does He not? And then it's my prayer that it would move into conversation. Remember the time? You know, when you... When, when you catch up with someone who you know well and you see him face to face and you just start talking about all the stories and so forth remember that time man i hope that's the desire of our heart that is he's he's here with us so we would know him and we would be getting to know him more we're doing that this morning through going in the word you get to know him more when you're in the word when you cry out to him when you're in the fire and you say i'm going to draw near to jesus and, 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 and when, you, when you're on the mountaintop, just, just say, man, look at all the fruit. You're drawing near to Jesus. And in the wilderness, and again, in the city, no matter where it is, we're drawing near to Him. Let me ask you, if He came today for you, or if you went to go with Him, would He be a stranger to you? Or would it be your best friend seeing Him face to face? The Lord would hope, again, our hunger would be, it'd be like seeing our best friend face to face. And he's wanting, hear this this morning. This isn't just for a few. He's wanting that kind of relationship with all of us, with every one of us in this room. He wants to draw near to you. He, he wants to show himself to you. He, he, he wants to, again, get involved in all the areas of your life. And he won't mess them up. He'll help them. You ever have someone come along, I want to get involved in your life. And it's like, stay away from me. The more you get involved, the more messed up I am. It's not the way with Jesus. The more you let him get involved, the more blessing comes. Also here in verse 27, John says, he who comes after me is preferred before me. And he's already mentioned this in the text before. He mentions it again after this. He's before me, again, in rank and dignity. I was born before him, but he's before me. He's God Almighty, and he's preferred before me because I'm just a man, and he's God. And then he says here, his sandal strap, I'm not even worthy to loose. And you gotta understand in those days, they didn't have the sewage systems that we have. All the sewage, for the most part, went out to the street. And a lot of times they walked through this stuff in sandals. They didn't, they didn't have, you know, Nikes and Air Jordans and boots and everything else. They just walked straight in this stuff. That's why there's so much emphasis on feet washing in the scriptures and it being a picture of hospitality. You know, people coming in with their feet covered with dung and whatnot and you know what bringing them in your home and getting down and washing their feet it was a place of humility but it was also a legitimate service and he says i'm not even worthy to get down and scrape the dung off the bottom of a sandal 
puts a new perspective on it, right? I'm just a sinner, and he's God. And he says, I just baptize with water. And again, water baptism is just symbolic. Water baptism cannot wash you of your sins. It's just water. But it's symbolic. It should be symbolic of someone that has really put faith in the Lord and saying, God, you forgive me. And now this is symbolic to let everyone know around me, hey, I'm a sinner, and I'm asking the Lord to wash me. And this is a picture that he has washed me. So he says, I just baptized with water. Notice verse 33, drop down. It says, he, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. In Matthew's gospel, he says, in Matthew 3.11, John said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And again, in this call on our life, we're called to be a witness. We're called to share testimonies. We're called to pray for prophetic gifts. And we should also be a people that understand, I can't do anything without that baptism and power from upon high from the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, your friend, wants to baptize you daily with the Holy Spirit. He wants to, whatever you want to call it. I I don't want to get all, people get all weird with terms. Well, you know, I believe we're baptized when we get saved. Listen, we are brought into the family of God. The Holy Spirit baptizes into salvation when we're saved. But the Bible speaks of a filling, an empowerment that, that, that daily comes upon those that want that. Whatever you want to call it. We're not going to divide over some, you know, view of doctrine that's debatable. I know this. I'm a leaky vessel, and I need a daily filling of the Holy Spirit. Can we all say amen to that? Amen. And Jesus is wanting to give that every day. An empowerment of the Holy Spirit of God and fire, not strange fire like Nadab and Abihu back there. We've talked about that on Wednesday nights. But, but fire from upon high. And fire in the Greek, it's the word pur. It means to purify. It wants to purify your life daily. Because listen, what grieves the Holy Spirit working, it's our sin. And it's our pride. And when we come before Him and say, Lord, I'm, I'm a sinner and today I want to be purified And I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit. Listen, you pray that in sincerity and God will fill you daily to go out and be a witness and to share your testimony and walk with prophetic utterance. And John makes it real clear. I'm I'm just a guy. That's God. Verse 28. These things were done in Bethabarah, beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. We talked about that already. And verse 29, it says... The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me. He was before me. And so all these Pharisees and Levites and Sadducees are all still out there. The one day Jesus taught, or John talks about, I'm just a guy. I'm not the Messiah. And then the very next day, they're all there, and here comes Jesus towards them. Jesus wanting to draw near to them. Jesus wants to draw near to you today. Do you want to draw near to him? James 4, 7, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And so the Lord's wanting to come near to you. It's a matter of, do you want to draw near to him? How do I draw near to him? Submit to God. That means I got to lay down my agenda. It's not about, hey, God, come over here and this is all my stuff. It's, Lord, here I am. I want to yield to you i want to yield to your word i I want to yield to your lordship and he'll draw near to you 
He absolutely will. So here comes the Lord coming towards them. And John says, behold, which means be aware, understand, consider. Notice there's an exclamation point. It's him saying, behold. But louder than that. I don't want to hurt ears. Behold. It's, it's him pleading. Your eternal soul depends on this. Behold. We're all sinners out here, guys. But behold, here's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. In other words, there's nothing more important than this. There's nothing above this. We are sinners separated from God, but here is the Lamb of God who takes away all this sin, the sin of all the world. Again, we're sinners. The law shows us we're sinners. We're under condemnation. God's not going to bring sin and rebellion and death into heaven. And we can't wash ourselves of our sin. God's standard is perfection. My good deed does not negate my bad deed. It just doesn't work that way. So the Lamb of God came to take away the sin of the world. Jesus was sinless. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He was sinless. He went to the cross and became sin for us. Or in other words, our sin was placed upon him. When he laid down his life, it was him dying for our sins. Sin brings death. He laid down his life. He died. But because he was without sin, you hear this every week, right? You hear every week till the Lord comes back. He rose from the grave and he defeated sin, death, and Satan. And that's why when we say, Jesus, I put my faith in you and what you've done for me. Now I am forgiven because I'm under the blood of the Lamb, under the grace of God. That's why it's a free gift. And he's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of all the world. Listen, he died for all the sin of the world. And when you believe, you receive forgiveness of all of your sin. It's really the sin of unbelief that damns the soul because those who choose not to believe are rejecting his pardon. They're saying, I'm fine with my sin. Even the Lord's saying, I've forgiven your sin, just come to me. But they say, no, I'm good with my sin over here. I'm a good guy. I, I got it going on. Boy, you want to ride that into heaven? You want to play the good guy card? You're going to see that, you know what the Bible says, we're not good. We're sinners. You, your neighbor might think you're good, but guess what? Your neighbor's not God. I'm citizen of the year. Everyone thinks I'm such a good guy. They're not God. And by man's terms, you may be that. But God's standard is utter perfection. He knows every time in getting that award, you did those things just to get pride and for everyone to praise you. God's the judge. And Jesus, again, is the means for a total pardon, total salvation. Also in this, listen, this was a picture for those in Israel, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. 1 Corinthians 5, 7, it says, For indeed Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. Think about Exodus. Again, they're in Egypt. And how did ultimately they get out of Egypt when Israel was there under bondage? Remember how? The blood of a lamb. They took the blood of a lamb, put it over their doorpost. And when the angel of death came over Egypt, they were slaves there. God was wanting to deliver them out. He said, take a lamb, put the blood over your doorpost. Many Egyptians heard the gospel and did it as well. It's a glorious picture. A mixed multitude went out of Egypt with the Israelites. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. They put the blood of the lamb over their doorpost, and that angel of death passed over them and did not kill their firstborn. It was a picture of Christ to come. 
a shadow. He's the substance because when your faith is in Christ, the blood of the lamb is over you and death will pass over you, the second death of hell, and you have eternal life in the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't this good news? So good. And then once again, John says, he's preferred before me. Over and over again, he's preferred before me. John said in John 3.30, he must increase and I must decrease. His will is better than mine. Verse 31, I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. And this is a glorious statement. Again, John knew the Messiah was going to come, but he didn't know the whole story. He, 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 he knew a little, but he didn't know exactly how he would come, what he would look like, how this would unfold. So what did he do? He acted on what he knew. He acted in faith. He said, I didn't know. I didn't know the whole story, but I know the Christ was going to come. So I went out and I did what God wanted me to do. And listen, when Christ showed up and he saw who he was, I guarantee he didn't regret walking by faith. Hear this. Listen, Jesus is coming again. I don't know when and you don't know when. And when someone says they know when, they don't know what they're talking about. Because the Bible says no man knows the day or the hour. Now the Lord says, you know the times and seasons. And this is how it will be when I come. And listen, I believe that prophecy is being fulfilled all around us. Listen, the sky's red. And he says, you know, when the sky's red, it's going to rain. We can see a red sky prophetically around us. We don't know when, but we know he is. Are we living our lives like John saying he might come today? So I want to be about his business looking for him. That takes a step of faith. That's what John did. That's what the Lord would have for us. And finally here, 32 through 34, John bore witness saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, this is the Father speaking to John, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And then he says, I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. So again, the Father gave him a word. You're going to know who the Messiah is when you see the Holy Spirit come upon him and remaining upon him. Again, remember the Old Testament, the, Old, the Holy Spirit would come upon prophets, priests, and kings, and then he'd go off them. And he says, when the Messiah comes, you're going to see the Holy Spirit come upon him, and he's going to remain upon him. It's not just going to be a one and done or two and done. It's going to be a remaining ministry of the Holy Spirit of God. And so John saw that prophecy fulfilled. When he baptized Jesus, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove came upon Jesus, and the Father, God in heaven, spoke concerning Jesus. And John saw all this happen, and that's how he knew Jesus was the Messiah. It's an incredible picture, really, of the Trinity. In Matthew 3, 16 through 17, we get an account, an account of exactly how it happened. It says, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And what do you see here? The Son being baptized, the Holy Spirit coming upon him, and the Father speaking, this is my Son whom I'm well pleased. A credible picture of the Trinity. I talked to non-Trinitarians about this. 
And I'd ask him, because he'd say, oh, there, you know, there's, a, there, there's no trinity. And I'd take him to this passage. It's like, well, what's going on here? Is God being a ventriloquist or something? You know, what, what, what exactly is unfolding? Again, we get these pictures to know who our God is. Three single, three single persons, one person at the same time. Can't wrap our mind around it, but we see another picture of God revealing himself to us here. And so John says, again, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. We talked about that. And then he closes by saying, I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. What a powerful testimony. This is my story, he says, and, and, and this is how I came to know Christ, and this is how I can testify that he is the Christ. And you all have a testimony. We want to go out and share that. And we need to ask God to empower us in sharing. There's a lost world around us, so many people that don't know him, and you're in their life in part to pray for them and be a witness to them. Can we say amen to that? Amen. Let's stand up and close in prayer here. Well, Heavenly Father, we bless you today. We praise you. We just thank you that you're so good to us, God. Jesus, we thank you that indeed you are the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and has taken away our sin. I pray this morning, God, that we would rejoice in you, rejoice in what you've done for us, rejoice in your holiness. Jesus, I pray we would rejoice in your obedience to fulfill the Father's will. I hope and pray, God, we leave here, Lord, encouraged and edified as well as comforted from your word. And listen, as we close here, we're gonna close with a worship song. If you don't know the Lord Jesus, listen, today is a day of salvation. Today, the Lord is wanting to meet you right where you're at. Today, the Lord is wanting to save your soul. Again, I share this just about every week. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I see whoever is an all-encompassing word. Covers all of us. Whoever would say, I'm, I'm not the Lord I'm a sinner but Jesus is the Lord and Jesus I want you to be my Lord and I want to put my faith in you when we cry out to him in sincerity he meets us where we're at and he saves us and we receive him as our Lord when we put faith in him and we then have the right to be called the children of God I don't know if we all know him here today or not Listen, today, if you don't know him and you're saying, Steve, I want to get saved today. I want to get right with the Lord today. I, I would love to have the privilege to pray with you. And it's not a prayer that saves us. It's faith in Christ that saves us. But a prayer is a profession of that faith. And God says that we should confess him and call out to him. Listen, if that's you, I, wanna, I just want to lead you in a simple prayer. And we've been doing this, and I think it's important. We got time to do this this morning. <laughs> I just want to lead you a simple prayer. And if you know the Lord this morning, I, I want you to pray along with any this morning that would be crying out to Him for the first time or just wanting to have things settled, want to know that they know that He's their Lord. Again, it's not the prayer that saves us, it's faith in Him. But I want to, I want to pray with you as a profession of that faith. Can we do that? Just repeat with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and you're the Savior. 
Thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for resurrecting from the dead and making the way of salvation for me. I ask you to be my Lord, to be my Savior, to wash me of all my sins. Come into my life. I receive you, Lord. Bless all those, Lord, that have prayed that. Meet them where they're at. And Lord, let us take this message of salvation out to this world around you, around us, God. Let us finish well in worshiping you. Let's praise the Lord here. We stand and lift up our hands For the joy of the Lord is our strength We bow down worship him now how great how awesome is he we stand and lift up our hands for the joy of the lord is our strength we bow down worship him now how great
Amen? Amen. Hey, the altar's open up here. Go and bless someone today. Encourage someone in the Lord. Give someone a God bless you and have a wonderful day in the Lord Jesus.